Hello, my beautiful tribe of mamas and everyone else that is seeking more health and wellness in your life. Welcome or welcome back to the Mom Light Podcast. Here we are dedicated to helping mamas worldwide find more health, vitality, and vibrancy in body, mind, and spirit despite the real, oh-so-real challenges and busyness and general chaos and amazingness of mom life. So this is another solo show. Um, If you don't love the sound of my voice, you can listen back to tons of other shows that I've done. I can't believe it's been more than a couple of months now that Mom Light has been on iTunes. It was just a few months ago that I was thinking I really wanted to do a podcast for you guys. Um, And it happened. And it's kind of amazing and a total pinch me moment. And I just want to thank you guys for your support, for listening, for rating and reviewing the podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. If you haven't rated or reviewed, please do so, so more mamas can find it and so we can all feel our best together. So I decided to do a solo show today because um, I get this question so often and I do have some amazing experts in the area that I'm hoping to bring on the show. But in the meantime, given how much research I have personally done on this topic, I thought, why don't I share what I know? And today we are going to be talking about, you know from the title, time-restricted eating and intermittent fasting and how to make them work for you in mom life. Before I jump in, disclaimer, I am a PhD in molecular biology, but I'm not a medical doctor, so none of this is meant to be medical advice. Always check with your physician before you embark on any kind of fasting program, especially if you have contraindications like diabetes, low blood pressure, uh, thyroid disease, or are particularly stressed. And we're going to talk about some of that in the episode today. But let's jump in. So many of you know, if you've been following me for a while, that I practice something called time-restricted eating and intermittent fasting, which I see as a deeper version or extension of time-restricted eating. This is mainly based on the work of Dr. Sachin Panda, who is a world-renowned researcher at the Salk Institute in California and recently wrote a book called The Circadian Code. My dream would to get would be to get Dr. Panda on the podcast and I'm working on that. But in the meantime, a lot of what I'm going to be telling you is based on his work and um, he's really an amazing, amazing researcher that is bridging the gap between all this fantastic science that happens in the lab setting and the real world, which is a huge passion of mine. Because what's the point of all the research in the lab setting if no one can see it and apply it in their lives, right? So that's why I've been a huge fan of his work. And honestly, um, his recommendations with regards to time-restricted eating have completely changed my health, my physiology, my issues with weight management, and everything else. Um, It's been an absolute game changer. I could talk about it all day, every day but I'll talk about it on the show now. So, and it won't be an all day, every day show. Don't worry. And we are going to talk a little bit about intermittent fasting. Um, Lots more mom light episodes to come on those topics. So think of this as sort of a 101 primer on time restricted eating and fasting. So today I want to talk first about what exactly is time restricted eating? What does the science say are the benefits of, we're just going to call it TRE, 
for time-restricted eating and how to practice time-restricted eating in busy, busy, sometimes chaotic mom life. And then we'll talk similarly about what is intermittent fasting, what are the science-backed benefits of fasting, and how you can practice it and a few different suggestions and my own regimen um, and what has worked for me. And before we jump in, I just want to share that um, I am a health coach, and many of you know this. I am a certified health coach through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and I have a PhD in molecular biology and cancer biology from Harvard Medical School. And I'm deeply passionate about helping people feel better in their bodies because I didn't always do so, and I've managed to hack my way with lots of trial and error to what I consider a truly vibrant state. And just so you don't have to um, falter and kind of try a bunch of different things. I want to simplify the process for you. So I have worked as a health coach with clients one-on-one, -on -one, and now I'm taking that offering into the digital arena. So many of you know that recently I launched the Mom Light. <clears throat> excuse me, Metamorphosis Program, which is a digital health coaching program, six science-backed, game-changing, absolutely game-changing steps to feeling your best in mom life. This is a program where you sign up and you get six video-based instructional modules with action steps. You put these steps into practice, you get admission into a Facebook group, and then you are supported as you put these six steps into practice and watch your health and vitality shift in a mega, mega way. Um, seriously guaranteed transformation or metamorphosis as it's called. Um, the current program is running. There will be another one soon. And I'm also exploring other digital offerings um, for you guys, one of the most challenging topics that keeps coming up when I talk to mothers is sugar cravings. So stay tuned for a potential course on how to beat the you-know-what out of sugar cravings and how to overcome that beast. And also, I am launching on September 1st. This is my first time taking one-on-one -on -one health coaching to a small group format. So I will be accepting 10 people only on September 1st for an eight-week mom light transformational boot camp. This is not for the faint of heart. This is if you want to really show up and, you know, go big or go home. It's to make a massive shift in your health and your vitality. We will be focusing on mindset and meditation and media consumption, and we'll be focusing on workouts and yoga and interval training, diet. There will be recipes in the program. There's going to be so much around intuitive and mindful eating. If your goal is weight loss, more energy, more vibrancy, more vitality, really unearthing the best version of you in body, mind, and spirit. This is for you. It's only 10 people. If you're interested, send me an email at kanchan.koya at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram in a DM. All right. So that's all the plugs for the digital offerings. Now let's get to it. What is time-restricted eating? Time-restricted eating is essentially what the name suggests or the term suggests. It's taking your food consumption and restricting it to a particular eating window. So what scientists found, and this really blows my mind, um, is if you take animals, and now a lot of these studies are being repeated in humans, um, which is good because we are animals, but they are a little bit different. But if you take lab animals, particularly mice, rodents, and you give them the equivalent of the standard American diet in mouse form, which is basically a bunch of refined carbohydrates, high sugars, and unhealthy fats. What you find is that these animals will gorge themselves around the clock 
no surprise, because these foods are highly palatable and hit all the appropriate reward centers in the brain, having a drug-like effect. If you've ever overeaten and overconsumed junk, you know what I'm talking about. So these animals will go to town, they will eat around the clock, and they will quickly get quite sick. They will become obese. They will develop what's called metabolic syndrome, um, which we see rampant in today's society, high blood sugar, triglycerides, poor insulin sensitivity, weight gain, um, predisposition to heart disease, et cetera, et cetera. So these mice become sick pretty quickly. Now, if you take these same mice who have been gorging themselves around the clock on this um, standard American diet of not so very good for you food, and you restrict their eating window. So now you tell them, okay, mouse, you can eat the same crappy food, but instead of eating around the clock, you're only going to be allowed to eat it for eight to 12 hours a day. And the rest of the time, you're going to eat nothing. These mice will do it because you're in an experimental situation and you're in control and they will do it. And guess what? a lot of those deleterious effects of the bad diet go away just by restricting their eating window. In mice, this is called time-restricted feeding because you are feeding them within an eating window. And so this led scientists to realize that obviously we've known for a long, long time that what we eat is super important for our health. But maybe what we have not appreciated is when we eat is also ultra important for our health. So it turns out that restricting your eating window to eight to 12 hours a day can have massive benefits on things like blood sugar control, insulin sensitivity, weight loss, metabolic health, and now we're finding even disease prevention, particularly for cancer and Alzheimer's. It is really, really wild. So some of the science-backed benefits of time-restricted eating, like I mentioned, include metabolic health and weight management. And this is an important point because even if you practice time-restricted eating and don't find that it moves the needle that significantly on the weighing scale, you can be rest assured that you are still reaping metabolic health benefits. So don't be disheartened if you don't see weight loss right away because even small amounts of weight loss or no weight loss, but time-restricted eating can still result in benefits to your metabolic health. So this is really a reason to not just give up if you don't see the weight shift. And I'm going to talk about some hacks about why you may not be seeing the weight shift and what you can do about it. Other benefits of time-restricted eating include improved sleep. Yes, it turns out that sleeping on a giantly full stomach does not give you restorative deep sleep. And time-restricted eating, and particularly finishing dinner three hours before bedtime, can really impact the quality and restorative aspects of your sleep. Time-restricted eating tends to have um, a benefit that I love, which is enhanced athletic endurance. T try doing um, eight to 12 hours of time-restricted eating for a week and go for a run. I assure you, you will be floored by this improved endurance. It really is quite remarkable, and it's been observed in animal studies and anecdotally in human studies. And we also know that time-restricted eating may help bring down inflammation and may help uh, prevent disease onset, particularly type 2 diabetes, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and cancer. And I'm going to talk about the cancer study in a minute because it's wild and amazing. So um, let's just first talk about some of the ways in which you can implement time-restricted eating, and then I'll throw in some more science-backed benefits to inspire you to give it a go. So 
Action step number one, pretty much everyone on this planet can benefit from taking a 12-hour overnight break from food. This idea that we should be eating all the time, that you know most Americans tend to eat for 15 hours in the day out of 24 hours, it's like trying to repair a highway with massive amounts of traffic running across the highway. In this case, the highway is your gut, your intestinal tract, which is so, so important for health and absorption of nutrients and detoxification and creating appropriate barriers between environmental toxins, weird bacteria and things like that, and your bloodstream. Most of us have a compromised GI tract because of way too much stress, way too much garbage in our food, alcohol consumption, lack of sleep, blah, 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 blah. So when you practice time-restricted eating and you give yourself that 12-hour overnight rest, you're allowing your GI tract to be repaired, which is hugely important. So my first um, recommendation, and this is science-based, is that everybody should practice a minimum of 12 hours of an overnight fast and not even consider it fasting, really. It's just life. Everybody can take a break from food for 12 hours, and guess what? The sky is not going to fall apart or whatever, right? Now, I'm going to challenge you, especially if you're a woman, to extend this overnight fast to 13 hours and make that a lifestyle. And the reason that is, is because there is very interesting research emerging from the lab of Dr. Ruth Patterson um, in California as well. And she looks at clinical studies and cancer prevention. And what she found is that if you take breast cancer survivors and you put them on a time-restricted eating plan where they are only eating for 13 hours, um, sorry, they're only eating for 11 hours a day and fasting for 13 hours overnight and finishing dinner early. This is such a crucial point because many people think they can practice time-restricted eating and they'll say, oh, I do 16-8 fast and guess what? I eat from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. No bueno. No bueno. The science really shows that your insulin sensitivity is not great at night. Hello, circadian rhythm, circadian biology. We are nature's creatures, our metabolism, our ability to break down food and absorb sugars appropriately, tend to coincide with the day-night cycle. So we have optimal digestion capacity, optimal metabolism during the day when the sun is out. It tends to dwindle as the day progresses and is weakest at night. So this idea that you can do 16-8 time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting, but eat your dinner at 10 p.m. is totally counterproductive and goes against your circadian rhythm. So back to the Ruth Patterson work, which is basically showing that if you are a breast cancer survivor and you give yourself a 13-hour break overnight from food and you finish dinner early by 7 or 8 p.m., I would really encourage you to try finishing by 7 p.m. Hashtag game changer. Game changer. You can reduce the recurrence of cancer by 30 some percent, 35 plus percent. I forget the number. I think it's 37 or 38 percent, which is wild. It's amazing. It's better than most drugs can do. And this is because DNA repair and all sorts of other detoxification processes, a bit of autophagy, which is your body sucking up damaged cellular components and precancerous cells. All this happens when you're not eating and when you're resting. So Action step number one when it comes to implementing time-restricted eating in your life is to attempt to go 12 to 13 hours overnight without food, push to 13 hours for that breast cancer prevention, 
uh, benefit because why not? And you will just find amazing other benefits like improved sleep, waking up, feeling light and energized instead of heavy and sluggish, improved digestion. A lot of people find that the irritable bowel syndrome, if they have IBS or any kind of gut issues, go away with time-restricted eating. It is really a game-changing intervention. So 13-hour overnight fast, early dinner, preferably three hours before bedtime. And there is an Alzheimer's prevention protocol out of University of California, San Francisco, which actually puts people on a time-restricted eating um, uh, protocol and encourages them to finish dinner three hours before bedtime. So that three hour before bedtime dinner finishing aspect is really key. And it's something I teach in the Mom Light Metamorphosis program. It's part of module one, where we put time-restricted eating into practice and we're held accountable for it. So that would be my recommendation and action step one. Um, action step two, like I said, finish dinner early by 7 to 8 p.m. And then the third action step is now if you want to take this time-restricted eating and you want to take it a little bit further into intermittent fasting territory, which I'll talk about in a second, you can play around with a longer eating window. I'm sorry. <laughs> Clearly, um, my brain is not fully on today. But what I mean is a shorter eating window. Okay. So start with 12 to 13 hours and then ask yourself when you wake up, am I genuinely hungry now that 13 hours is up or is that just societal conditioning that I must eat because it's morning time? If you are genuinely hungry, um, go ahead and eat once your 13-hour window is up. If you're not, see if you can push it. So what I found is once I became intuitive and mindful about my eating, I found that I really wasn't hungry for breakfast. And we now know that breakfast skipping um, is not necessarily a bad thing. Okay, there's lots of lots of conflicting evidence and opinions about this, but here's what I will say the science says. If you skip breakfast, but you finish dinner early, that is you practice time-restricted eating in a sensible and intelligent and science-backed way, you are probably just fine, if not better than people who feel the need to eat breakfast because breakfast is the most important of the day, important meal of the day, said Kellogg cereal marketing team. Um if you skip breakfast and then you eat a late dinner, yes, you're not going to be in the pinkest of health. You're setting yourself up for prediabetes and all that good stuff. So what I will say is that if you want to experiment with longer time-restricted eating fasting windows, try skipping breakfast or moving breakfast later. So just to go to my regimen, what I do most days is I finish dinner by 7 p.m. and then I will break my fast, i.e. have breakfast. Why does it have to be in the morning? It's just breaking my fast anywhere between 14 to 16 hours after that 7 p.m. dinner is wrapped up, okay? So I will basically... Um, eat anywhere between 11 and 12, 11 a.m. and 12 p.m. the next day. And I call it breakfast, but it's, it, you know how my breakfast looks. It's essentially good quality protein, some pastured eggs, um, always leafy greens at breakfast, some good fats like avocado or nuts, um, you know, that kind of thing. So that's my regimen. It's essentially a 14 to 16 hour overnight fast every day because it works for me. I don't feel hungry in the morning. I do fasted workouts, which feel amazing. I have a lot of endurance, but that's just me. If you find that you need to eat after that 13 hour window, go ahead and do so. Let's talk about caffeine because it comes up a lot. And then I want to talk about exercise. So 
Um, caffeine is an interesting one because you'll find a lot of people practicing intermittent fasting and still drinking black or black tea or coffee and uh, feeling like they're still in the fasted state. And this might be true. So they might still be in the fasted, i.e. keto ketosis state. Although how much ketosis is going on depends on the duration of the fast, right? But what we know is Time-restricted eating is more than just fasting. It's about respecting your circadian rhythm and your circadian biology. And caffeine will activate your circadian clock because caffeine needs to be metabolized by the liver. So if you think that you're doing time-restricted eating of 12 to 13 hours overnight fast, but you're actually only giving yourself a 10-hour break before you down that cup of coffee, you're not practicing time-restricted eating of 12 to 13 hours. You're practicing time-restricted eating of 10 hours, even if that black coffee keeps you in a fasted state. Does that make sense? There's a slight distinction between your circadian rhythm and intermittent fasting. So what I like to tell people, and Dr. Sachin Panda basically tells people this, which is what I'm sharing with you, is... um, Ideally, that caffeine consumption should happen in the eating window. So what I do, if you go back to my regimen, I finish dinner by 7 p.m. most nights. I wake up the next day and then I try to not have my coffee until 8 a.m. So I've gone 13 hours with an often overnight fast in terms of my circadian clock. Now at 8 a.m. I'll have coffee. I'm not so fussed about it being black because I'm not so interested in like the ketosis every day of 16 hours. And I'll get into that later. I'm more interested in the time-restricted eating and the circadian biology. So I usually have either a black tea with a splash of milk or soy milk or a cold brew coffee with a splash of almond milk, but I'll have it after the 13-hour overnight fasting window is done right? And then I don't eat anything until 11 or 12 o'clock. That's what works for me. Now that's technically not a strict 16 hour fast. I'm not fussed about that because I do um, five day fasting mimicking diets every four to six months by Prolon, the company um, that invented the, uh, the five day fasting mimicking diet, a topic of another day, another podcast. But because I know I'm giving myself that genuine fasting experience every four to six months, I'm not so fussed about like, oh, I should have black coffee only and stay in the fasted state. If you really want to, you can just stick with black coffee. But remember that your coffee should go in your eating window of 11 hours, not in your time-restricted window of 13 hours, if that makes sense, because caffeine will activate your circadian clock, even if it keeps you in the fasted state. Okay, let's talk about exercise. So a lot of people ask, um, should I exercise in a fasted state? Should I eat before I exercise? It's really up to you. I find that um, as I became more adept at time-restricted eating because there is a bit of a, an acclimatation um, window. Because think about it, if you're always eating, your body's always used to being always used to having access to carbohydrate and food for fuel, and it never has to tap into stored fat for fuel, which is what happens when you do longer time-restricted eating. And once you become adapted, it's called becoming fat adapted or keto adapted, your body more readily shifts from this glucose-based metabolism to breaking down stored fat for fuel and ketogenesis, which has a host of benefits on brain health, heart health, aside from obvious weight loss and weight management benefits. But um, what I find is that when I do workouts in a fasted state, because I'm now 
fat adapted and I can switch back and forth from glucose metabolism to fat metabolism pretty readily, I have no problem doing fasted workouts. In fact, I find that I have more endurance. I feel lighter. I feel more energetic. And some research shows that people who do fasted workouts may make more intelligent food choices throughout the day, which may seem counterproductive. We don't end up binge eating the rest of the day, somehow balances our satiety and appetite hormones. And a recent study actually found that if weight loss is a goal for you, then working out in the morning is particularly beneficial for weight loss. So I just wanted to throw in those two um, aspects of of, of workouts and time-restricted eating. That said, if you really find that your workout is a drag because you really need to eat before your workout, then please go ahead and do so. Um, what matters is that you move your body and uh, whether you do it in a fasted state or not is less important than the fact that you move at all. Okay. Um, one little hack, um, which I love, so people will say, oh, this sounds great, but like weekends, hashtag weekends. <clears throat> yeah. So what the research shows is that if you practice time-restricted eating Monday to Friday, but you let your hair down and you don't practice it as strictly on the weekend, you still reap the benefits, particularly the metabolic benefits. So I will definitely say that I'm a little bit looser with my eating window on the weekends. I'll often have a later dinner because, you know, whatever, social life, date night with my husband, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm totally cool with that. I get back on the more stringent kind of eight hour eating window, Monday to Friday, or even Monday to Thursday. And I'm st I still know I'm reaping the benefits. So I love this practice because it's so sustainable. There's so much flexibility. You can do 13 hours. You can do 16 hours. You can let loose on the weekend. You can start your eating window whenever you like, as long as you finish it between 7 and 8 p.m. for maximum benefits. And here's another hack. If you are eating late um, because of whatever work or whatever, make that, meal, make that meal light. This is respecting your circadian biology and the fact that you're not that insulin sensitive at night. So don't have a very high carb, high sugar, just generally like heavy meal. Keep that meal pretty light at night. You know that old adage, eat breakfast like a king, eat lunch like a prince and dinner like a pauper definitely holds true, except in my case, breakfast is between 11 and 12 and not at 9 a.m. because I'm not hungry then. Okay. One other little nuance about time-restricted eating and when you should start your eating window. So like I said, caffeine will kick your eating window into gear from a circadian rhythm perspective. It turns out that right when you wake up, your melatonin levels are still going down and your cortisol level is going up and your insulin isn't quite primed as yet. So Dr. Sachin Panda in his book, The Circadian Code, and on several podcasts where he's spoken, recommends waiting for at least an hour after you wake up to eat. If you wake up super rested and you don't feel like you've got any melatonin in your bloodstream, unlikely most of us are tired when we wake up, which is why we need an alarm clock or kids jumping on our head. Um, you probably want to give yourself that one hour for your pancreas to get primed and your insulin to get secreted before you have breakfast. So if you're one of those people that needs to eat pretty quickly after waking up, try playing around with waiting an hour because that might help your insulin sensitivity as well. All right, guys, it is kind of like me rambling a lot. I hope this has been helpful. Um, I just want to say that time-restricted eating may be one of the simplest yet most powerful lifestyle interventions to reduce our disease burden as a society and reset our connection to nature and our circadian rhythm. And the breast cancer prevention data always blows my mind. 
Um, so really quickly, I want to touch on intermittent fasting as an extension of time-restricted eating. So obviously, intermittent fasting has become very popular, and people are experimenting with daily fasts of 16 hours, which is fine as long as dinner is not late. I will just um, say one thing. In mom life, a lot of us are stressed. Our cortisol level is high. We have sleep deprivation as a real challenge to battle with because of kids that may not sleep or whatever. Um, so when your stress level is really high and your cortisol is high, and then you throw in aggressive time-restricted eating or fasting into the mix, this can worse, worsen your stress response. Because at the end of the day, fasting is a bit of a stress on the body. It causes your body to respond by becoming more resilient, but it is still a stress on the body. So if you find yourself um, feeling stressed and overwhelmed, and then you're like trying to do 16-8 intermittent fasting every single day, that might not be the most productive protocol for you. So I would say ease up on that. Maybe try 16 to 18 hour fast a couple days a week and the rest of the time just practice that 13 hour fast for the benefits of time-restricted eating. So that's just me talking about some intermittent fasting practices. I would love to do another podcast on intermittent fasting and I will because it is really a topic in its own right. I know I said I would talk about it all today, but I'm starting to feel like maybe I'll split it up. <laughs> But I just want to say, um, just as a kind of quick primer on fasting, you can do daily fasts. Um, I find that daily 16 to 18 hour fasts can feel too extreme in mom life, may add to the cortisol and stress burden, and then late meals are no good. We know that. You can try alternate day fasting. Again, I find that a little bit aggressive in mom life, hard to sustain. I prefer a one to two, one, once to twice a week 16 to 24 hour fast. That's what seems to work for me. A bit of a stress on the system, but not too crazy. Still get some fasting benefits. But really what the data show that if you want the deeper benefits of fasting, which is autophagy, i.e. clearance of damaged cellular components and damaged proteins, or you want massive ketosis so that you can not just burn stored fat, but get that ketone body spike and get benefits on heart health and brain health. Um, I like to do the prolon fasting mimicking diet, which is a five-day fast devised by Dr. Walter Longo at the University of Southern California and his team. It's, it's actually been awarded a patent for longevity, the first food-based intervention to win a patent for longevity. Um, I am an affiliate for prolon. So if you order through my affiliate link on my Instagram bio and use the code Chief Spice Mama, you get $25 off your box and I get a small commission. But anyway, I love the fast. You know, I've done it a million times. I'm getting, gearing up to do one again next month. So basically my point is that um, really for some of these deeper benefits like stem cell renewal, autophagy, deep ketosis, and disease prevention, I like to do the five-day fast every four to six months. And then I practice some intermittent fasting like 18 to 20 hours a couple times a week. And most days I'm doing time-restricted eating where I'm giving myself an overnight break from food for between 13 and 15 hours. That's just the regimen that works for me. I don't feel like it elevates my stress burden. Um, and I just wanted to share all that amazing info because it is amazing. It's changed my life. The science is riveting and fascinating and emerging at a, a breakneck speed. Um, check out the book by Dr. Sachin Panda, The Circadian Code. Check him out on a bunch of podcasts. And I really hope to bring him on the show. And I hope, hope, hope this solo ramble has been helpful. Um, 
If you have questions, you can always slide into my direct messages on Instagram at Chief Spice Mama or shoot me an email at kanchan.koya at gmail.com. Stay tuned for more Mom Light programs and digital offerings. If you're interested in the eight-week Mom Light Transformation Bootcamp, 10 spots only, do send me a DM or an email um, and we'll see if it'll be a good fit for you. And yeah. I look forward to bringing you a very exciting conversation next week on cancer prevention. And until then, guys, have a wonderful week. Stay vibrant, stay vitality filled, and let's um, commit ourselves to showing up as the best version of ourselves in body, mind, and spirit in mom life because then we can have a ripple effect on the health and vitality and joy and inner light and outer light of everyone around us. And that's what this show is about. And that's what my mission is about. And that's why we're all here. Thank you for listening. I will see you very soon on another episode of Mom Light. Bye guys.